back to a better world. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad that you're joining us again today. Today, we're going to have a very interesting show. We're going to be talking about a subject in the domain of health and healing in a way that you might not have ever heard before, because we're going to be focusing on apotherapy. Well, what is that? Ape. If you go back to your old days of studying Latin, apis is the bee. So what we're talking about is bee therapy. Bee therapy, interestingly, has been around with us for thousands of years. It was found to trace back to ancient Egypt, to Greece, to China. Uh, even Hippocrates, the great physician renowned as the father of medicine, used bee venom to treat joint pain and arthritis. The ancient Greek athletes also used honey to boost energy. That's all part of the healing and the use of bee products of one sort or another, those that come from a bee, to enhance performance or to heal remedies, heal issues, pathologies, illnesses that occur inside the body and the mind. So today, in going into some depth about this, is one of the most distinguished gentlemen in the world who has been developing and experimenting with and documenting cases of healing with bee therapy, or as it's called, apetherapy, and that is Dr. Stefan Stangasiu. He has been uh, appearing on radio and television programs really across the world. He's been in over 30 countries or so talking about, teaching about bee therapy and has a long, as I said, distinguished career in doing so. Right now he's operating out of Toronto, Canada, and is joining us today to discuss this really very interesting and highly therapeutic but not well-known form of therapy. Uh, He actually has taught not in just 30, but in 45 countries in approximately a dozen languages. And uh, just to give you some idea of to the breadth and the scope of the work he has been doing for literally decades. So, Dr. Stefan, I want to welcome you to A Better World Radio. A pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Mitchell. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's a, a wide topic. Why don't we start with a little history? What can you tell us about when you know of the use of the bee uh, began that we, that we have documented, and for what reasons? So, uh, when it was first time uh, apitherapy um, documented, this is the question? Yes. Yes, okay. So, it's, um, uh, we have in the, the literature like 6,000 years ago uh, in uh, India, it, was, it were some, uh, some uh, writings about this. But, of course, the most known uh, documented it's in uh, Egypt, ancient Egypt, uh, mm-hmm. the pyramids, the pharaohs, uh, they use extensively honey and propolis. And uh, it's interesting that propolis uh, uh, can uh, have, a, uh, have a property which is to block the protein or lysis, which means uh, in simple words, the decay of the, the proteins in the organism. 
Uh, and uh, this is very helpful to treat many, many conditions, not only to mummify the pharaohs. I'm so, so I'm sorry, it blocks what? What does it block? Uh, the decay of the proteins. The, oh, the, the proteins, okay. Yes, yes. Like the, the proteins, they are cut by bacteria, and when you have propolis, enough propolis in the, in the system, uh, the proteins are better maintained. Well, that's interesting because, of course, one of the primary properties that people know about regarding honey is its um, antibacterial uh, property. Yes, yes, both, uh, not only honey, but also propolis, all bee products, in fact, even uh, bee venom uh, has very, very interesting uh, antibacterial properties. And one explanation is that in the beehive we find so many good nutrients, and all living beings, all living beings from bacteria to, to mammals or humans, uh, they like uh, these nutrients, so they, they will attack uh, the bees to get them. So uh, in the uh, microscopical world of bacteria and microbes, uh, of course, there is the same kind of phenomenon. So the bees must defend their uh, treasure against them. Interesting, interesting. So in other words, there's this incredibly rich and you could also say sweet history of the use of honey and propolis and royal jelly. And, well, not so sweet is bee venom. How far back do we know about the use of bee venom, and how is it um, how is it utilized? How is it uh, uh, put into the body? Yeah. So one of the uh, first um, uh, theory uh, was that in China, when the, they discovered the acupuncture, in fact, the first acupuncture needle was a bee sting. Oh, <laughs> yes, because uh, it's interesting. We also find this in our patients nowadays. Uh, when we apply the bee stings on uh, acupuncture and meridian points, yes. uh, meridian uh, uh, channels, um, we get uh, this kind of uh, feeling which is specific to acupuncture. So most probably this was uh, one of the first uh, encounter of the human beings with um, uh, bee stings. And also in the history we find many other uh, histories like um, Charlemagne, Carol the Great, uh, was uh, cured of gout uh, by bee stings. And uh, many other uh, big kings or presidents uh, have used uh, the bee products. Uh, Alexander the Great also uh, was um, covered in honey after he died, and he was brought back to Macedonia, and so on. So there are many cases, but very interesting in the last uh, like decades, um, various uh, big, big presidents have uh, used uh, bee stings. One of them is uh, from Russia, Brezhnev. He was having a facial palsy, and uh, he just quit uh, because of that, uh, the, the, you know, the politics, the uh, social life. And then uh, he was cured by uh, an academician who was knowing about these things in only one or two sessions. And afterwards, of course, he encouraged uh, the development of epitherapy in uh, Russia. And from Russia, it, it sp uh, spent all over the world. It spread all over the world, so? yes. So because of the academician's use of the bee sting for Brezhnev's bee, uh, I'm sorry, Bell's palsy, that became the reason that, or the basis for bee therapy to start to, in the latter day, you know, the more recent history, to become so widespread. Yes, it, uh, Brezhnev gave a huge political support uh, in Russia and uh, 
this helped, uh, of course. Uh, also in Romania, we have a case with AP Larnil. This is one of the very interesting be beehive products, uh, the drone larvae extract. And uh, this one was also um, um, uh, encouraged to be used by, by the Romanian Communist Party because they found out that uh, AP Larnil acts very, very precise, very, very good to enhance uh, very many physiological functions in the body. Interesting, interesting. So we have we owe the Russians for yet another major breakthrough in health and healing and uh, another form of natural technology, if you will. You know, it's funny. I, I of course, I studied acupuncture many years ago and was a licensed acupuncturist, but was never told of this history of the origins of acupuncture, the first needle being um, – a, a bee sting, you know, and a a bee needle, if you will. Yes, yes. And uh, nowadays in China, there are uh, literally like uh, many, many thousands of Chinese, especially beekeepers, self-trained or you know um, learned in their own uh, uh, small areas. But there are literally a lot, a lot of Chinese which are doing uh, the bee sting therapy. Uh, and, of course, all over the world there are many people doing uh, bee sting therapy, but there are many, many degrees of uh, use of bee venom. You can use it from uh, simple bee stings to micro stings to injections, including uh, mixtures in honey, um, intravenous, in uh, physiotherapy like ontophoresis. There are many, many, many ways to use bee venom, including for the beauty in cosmetical masks. Fascinating. Fascinating. I wish, Stefan, perhaps you could lay out, because of, you know, uh, my background in Chinese medicine and Chinese energetics, as well as it's a subject that I talk about fairly regularly on this show, and you have mapped the few B products with what's called the five element theory. Could you walk us through that? Because at the same time, you'll be speaking about the interface of two very powerful therapies at the same time, B therapy, of course, apotherapy, in conjunction with an ancient uh, form of medicine, in this case, Chinese medicine. Would you walk us through, and that way we can learn about both more, more so? Yes, yes. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine is one of the biggest, biggest uh, medicines in the world since uh, thousands and thousands of years uh, together with Ayurveda. And uh, two of the main uh, uh, theories of uh, traditional Chinese medicine are the theory of yin and yang, uh, which is well known, and the theory of five elements or five movements, wu Xing which are basically, uh, in simple words, uh, these elements um, are symbolized uh, are like um, uh, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And if you look into the books of uh, Chinese medicine about these elements, you'll find that they are correlated with internal organs, with colors, with cereals, with uh, senses. Uh, hundreds of things are related to these five elements. And they work in harmony together. Uh, they are doing a kind of synergy. And when uh, one of these elements is in disbalance, uh, you, you get diseases. Uh, just to be more, more um, um, concrete, is uh, uh, for, for wood element, uh, it's, we have the liver and the gallbladder, the muscles, the tendons, the eyes, uh, the taste uh, sour. For fire, we have uh, the heart, the blood vessels, uh, nervous system, 
but also the tongue and uh, the small intestine. For Earth, we have uh, stomach, pancreas, conjunctive tissue. Um, as color is yellow, as taste is sweet, uh, sweet like honey. Mm -hmm. And then we have for propolis, uh, for metal, sorry, it's, uh, it's, um, it's uh, large intestine, it's uh, um, uh, the lungs, the skin, the mucosas, the smell, the taste, as taste is spicy. And for water element, it's uh, the genital system, the bones, the joints, teeth, uh, kidneys, gallbladder, uh, the wheel, salty, and so on and so on. Now, uh, when I started with acupuncture, this was in 1986 about, um, I learned, of course, as uh, any other student on uh, Chinese medicine about these five elements. But later on, when I learned about uh, the B products, I started to think, how can I correlate these products to the five elements? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I studied uh, hundreds of articles, uh, bibliography, and so on and so on. And then uh, step by step, uh, the, the things came very, very nice into place. And um, so I found out that, uh, for example, propolis belongs to the metal element. It acts mainly into the metal element or metal kind of movement. Mm -hmm. Royal gelin, apilarinis, is for the water. Bibred and pollen is for uh, wood. Bivenum for fire and so on. Okay. Yes. Just so walk us through the, the, the therapeutic properties then of those, of, of those elements of the pollen, the propolis, the royal jelly, and the venom. Now, it, what, what is the fifth? I missed it. Uh, it's the, the honey, it's the earth element. Okay. Yes, yes, after, uh, after the bee venom, which is on fire, yes. Okay, uh, so yeah, the bee venom is the fire, that's kind of obvious in an intuitive way, and of course, the sweet flavor would accord, of course, with the earth element, and then yes. the... Uh, the metal element is what? Uh, propolis. Propolis. How would you describe, how do you interface them? Okay. So uh, if you look to the characteristics of metal, metal is um, it's, uh, spicy, it's uh, uh, dry, it closes uh, the surfaces, it has a general uh, function of closure. Yes. It's antibacterial, it's good for the immune system, it helps the skin, the mucosa, the lungs, the large intestine, and all these characteristics belong also to propolis. Propolis dries, propolis is diuretica. Propolis is made, in fact, to the resins and balsams by the trees uh, to cover, to protect their buds against uh, viruses, bacteria, fungus, parasites, against too much uh, sun radiation like heat ultraviolet and so on and so on. So um, uh, it's, it's like almost 100% match uh, between propolis and uh, this uh, metal element. So interesting, so interesting. And then, again, liver gallbladder for uh, wood. For, for bee pollen and bee bread, here are a few characteristics, common characteristics. The liver is uh, an organ which can regenerate very fast, very easy. In fact, you can take 90% of the liver out through operations, uh, for example, like they are done in the hospitals. And with only 10% uh, left, the liver can regenerate to full size. And the, uh, in the, in the uh, world of plants, uh, the bee pollen, it's, um, it's a sexual vegetal uh, cell, male cell, which has inside everything which is needed for regeneration, for division, for creation. 
It's very, very rich in enzymes, and so on and so on. And um, uh, also, bee pollen is very rich in vitamins and enzymes, as I, as I said before, and these are uh, very important elements for the functioning of the liver. Interesting. Okay, so there's this kind of a inherent and intuitive, it's almost like the doctrine of signatures going back to medieval times, a relationship between the substance and what it is used for therapeutically. You know, yes. the yes. aconite seed would be used for eye problems, as an example. It looks yeah. like an yeah. eye <clears throat> in nature. Yes. So you could say mm-hmm. this is a uh, a variation or a, another reflection of nature and the human body. Through the yes, you can say that too. But uh, in fact, um, uh, the, the thing which convinced me 100% was the study of the literature, of the bibliography, and I was uh, very happy when I saw that uh, like there are hundreds of articles on pollen being good for the liver, yeah. uh, hundreds of thousands for propolis being good for the immune system, honey being good against wounds. So if you take mathematically or scientifically the data, the information, you'll find uh, the same kind of um, uh, conclusion. So Oh, when you kind of analyze the, uh, right. the preponderance, so to speak, Yes. organ system. Yes, right, right. For example, you find hundreds of studies on royal jelly being good for fertility, for genital system, like apilarnil 2. So, uh, and uh, very, very few articles on the use of uh, these two products against the wounds. So, but uh, for the wounds, honey, it's like you find really thousands, thousands of articles explaining how uh, honey can heal the wounds. Yes. So interesting. And so royal jelly, speak to us, oh, okay. oh your highness, about royal jelly. <laughs> yes, royal jelly is <laughs> made by the young bees. And by the way, uh, there is a very interesting uh, kind of concept. The young molecules, uh, the young living beings, are better in quality and effect for the human health than the old molecules or old living beings. So the idea is here that... Um, it's better to take, uh, uh, for example, a soaked seed in water after a couple of wa- uh, hours. Uh, it has much more stem cells, much more bioenergy, much more enzymes, and so on, than an adult plant coming from the same seed. Mm-hmm. Yes, so here, royal jelly is exactly like this. Uh, royal jelly is made by very young bees, and it's uh, the main food, in fact, it's the only food uh, for most of the life of uh, the queen. And the queen, everybody knows in beekeeping that uh, she lives uh, from 40 to 80 times longer than the worker bees, the worker bees which are working in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's very rich in all kinds of nutrients, but uh, also substances which are anti-tumoral, antiviral, antimicrobial, and so on and so on. And uh, one of the interesting properties is that it helps the production of blood in the bone marrow, the blood elements, oh. like uh, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. And, and this the stem cell effect. Exactly, Mitchell, mm-hmm. Mitchell, exactly. This is the big, big secret, one of the big secrets of uh, royal jelly use, uh, stimulating the production of stem cells. And the Japanese, they, they confirmed that uh, several years ago, for the neural stem cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the great um, uh, uh, effects of royal jelly because when you help the production of stem cells in the bone marrow, practically you, you help the rest of the body. 
exactly. And it makes sense because, I mean, if you're dealing with something that deep as marrow, you know, everything emanates from that. And, of course, the bone is related, corresponds to the kidney, which is the battery charger from the Chinese point of view of the entire body and is the place of ancestral chi as well as sexual chi. So there you have the regenerative characteristics there. Fascinating, Stefan. It's fascinating. So all all honey is not declared equal. Different regions of the world will give rise to different types of bees. There are many different types of bees, and as a result, many different types of honey. For instance, in Australia, we have Manuka honey as an example, right? And that is said to have certain properties that other honeys, even though all honey, as far as I know, is therapeutic in the ways you've been describing, there are still remaining distinctions among them. Could you talk about that? Yes. Uh, I received often this uh, question from uh, the public, uh, what is the best honey? Uh, to be used. And uh, my answer is uh, always the best honey for you is the honey which can heal you. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and here, uh, what I mean by that is uh, that each person is uh, different uh, to uh, all other persons. Bio-individual. Yeah. Yes, and uh, it has, each person has different causes of the causes of their own problems. So you need to adapt to these causes, and you need to find that honey which can better solve the problems. And here, uh, for example, Manuka honey is very good, it's very well known against uh, many different type, uh, types of bacteria, not against all of bacteria, but against many of them. Mm-hmm. But if we have a patient having, for example, insomnia, it is better to use the linden honey or lavender honey, as we know it from France. Uh, France is a very big producer of lavender honey. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. yes, so in the same logic we go, for example, somebody has osteoporosis, uh, bone, ma- uh, bo- bone problems, then we l- use honeydew honey or um, the pine honey or honey which is richer in minerals mm-hmm. uh, or it's better antioxidant, in like buckwheat honey. So um, uh, there is not such a thing like the best honey. So we cannot say that Manuka honey is the best honey. It's best honey for a patient which has uh, microbes, has infection, uh, but is not as good as other honeys which can treat other diseases. Interesting. And is there a regional effect? I I remember my old Tai Chi teacher, uh, Professor, I I was in the lineage of uh, Professor Ching Man Ching, who was the... Uh, was the physician to Chiang Kai-shek way back then. And uh, he is largely credited with bringing the practice of Taiji Chuan to the West, both to Europe and to America and to New York City. And I studied in that school down in Chinatown many years ago. And he used to say that eating food from one's own locality was healthier than eating food from another region. Not to say it couldn't be healthy from another region, but there was something in the indigenous food that was grown in your area that served a person's individual uh, body, bone building, and everything else, metabolism, better. 
than others. I'm wondering if that applies also to regionally grown honey. Yes, uh, it applies 100%. Um, and the explanation is that uh, the honey, the local honey, is produced by uh, bee plants from the local region, of course. And these bee plants, they adapt to the local climatic conditions, yes. geoclimatic conditions. And one, one very simple example, if a plant uh, lives in the mountains, in the mountains, uh, the, the intensity of ultraviolet is much higher than the, uh, the sea level. So all plants from the mountains, they produce more bioflavonoids to protect themselves against the success of uh, radiation, of ultraviolet. Yeah. So the bees that are uh, from that area, the bee colonies that are staying in the same area, they will collect more bioflavonoids than the bees from the sea level. So as a result, uh, the honey from that area is better for the people living at that area. So um, this is one explanation. And the other one, which is also known, is with the people having allergies, like pollen allergies. It is much better to eat honey from the same region because this honey has, uh, it's like contaminated um, uh, it's with uh, local pollen. And when you eat the pollen, uh, you can get rid of the pollen allergies. Interesting. It, uh, it almost sounds like it has a, a homeopathic kind of effect. Yes, yes, yes. In the same direction as, uh, uh, you know, the, the people having hay fever and these uh, pollen allergies, they have it because they get uh, through their nose uh, mainly the yeah. anemophilus pollen, which is that very light uh, flying pollen from grass and so on and so on. And when the bees are flying to get their own uh, bee pollen and bee, uh, or their own nectar to make the honey, uh, you know, the bees are very hairy, and during their flight, they are, like, contaminated on their body with this uh, flying pollen, anemophilus pollen, and then when they come back to their uh, hives, they, they mix with their own pollen in their own honey, in their own propolis, and practically when we consume the beehive products from the same region where we live, we get also this uh, contaminant, this uh, flying pollen, this anemophilus pollen, which the scientists discovered when we uh, swallow it, it helps us to desensitize against the airborne uh, pollen allergy. It's like a kind of vaccine yes. when we eat the allergen. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that vaccines actually have homeopathy as the base principle of how they work. And I think if vaccines were a little bit more homeopathic in principle, they'd be effective in a different way. <laughs> but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate these, these answers. They're very, it's very interesting. Now, it begs the question, the healthiness um, of, of all of the bee products are so good that bees themselves prefer their own uh, honey and propolis to eat, and royal jelly, of course, than um, other food sources. Is that correct? Um, the bees themselves. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it's uh, very, very weird. And um, I, I saw one, one report. Uh, sometimes the bees, uh, they may prefer even a sugar solution, uh, which is very weird. It's like human beings, uh, <laughs> which uh, yeah. can become addicted to, sh to sugar. Right. Uh, but, of course, uh, these other kind of uh, sources of food are not good for the bees on a long term. And one scientific explanation is that um, uh, if you feed the bees with sugar solution, uh, their uh, uh, lactobacils, 
the, that the good bacteria which are living in their guts are destroyed by the sugar solution. So, um, um, yeah, so this is a kind of message I'm sending to those beekeepers who are using uh, maybe sometimes too much sugar solution. Um, it's okay to feed the bees with some sugar solution in the uh, fall or in the spring very early to tonify the colony, but if you use too much, then uh, you will damage the health of the bees. So what do you recommend for, the, for bee nutrition itself? Okay, so for the bees, the $1 million idea. <laughs> yes. I'm uh, uh, telling to all people who are listening to us, is to make an apitherapy cocktail. Uh, apitherapy cocktail is uh, what I name, I call the a mixture of all main bee products. And then like honey, everything I told you before, like honey, propolis, royal jelly, pilarin, pollen, bee bread, except bee venom, of course. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, this mixture of bee products can be diluted with water, of course, a good quality water. Yes. Let it to stay for a couple of hours in a refrigerator and then microfiltered. Uh, if you microfilter it, uh, you'll get rid of the possible bacteria or spores. And in fact, there are uh, unfortunately some spores which may damage the, the health of the bees. Mm -hmm. But you can microfilter this uh, combination uh, and uh, you'll get uh, the, the goods, the, the juice, if you want, from yeah. all these products with all the nutrients inside because if you let it for a couple of hours, the vitamins, enzymes, and so on from pollen will be able to go out of the pollen and go through the microfilter. And the best microfilter is of 0.22 micrometers. Mm -hmm. Yes, so with this solution, like a, a 10 to 20, 30% solution of these bee products in water microfilter, the beekeepers can feed their bees and uh, they'll get much better results uh, uh, for the bees. And the same kind of procedure is not only for the bees, of course, but also for the human beings when we want to prevent diseases or treat diseases, severe ones, and not only in humans, but also in animals, like in veterinary medicine. Yes, interesting. So, in other words, what you're saying is, of course, it's antibacterial by definition, but it also will help to ignite and enhance the immune system? Yes, yes, and uh, you, are, you are right because the immune system, it's, uh, um, it's uh, those army made by millions and millions of uh, white blood cells, mm -hmm. and the white blood cells are like uh, top uh, soldiers, which needs a lot of energy and very good uh, food. And we cannot get the good food from, uh, you know, uh, fast food stores and uh, uh, other kind of stores which are selling uh, junk food. Yes. So uh, the bee products are giving uh, all the substances of top, top quality, very fresh, and all kind of substances. So the immune system can have a very good nutrition. And also uh, the immune system, uh, the white blood cells, they are receiving a lot of minerals to make their own weapons to fight bacteria, viruses, and so on, and so on. And so on. So, but it's the, the concept here is that to, in order to, to make happy the uh, human body cells, including yeah. the immune system cells, you need to give them a lot of things, um, different categories of things, but basically the final conclusion is that you need all beehive products to help uh, to stimulate all these categories of things. Uh, like breathing, like hygiene, like protection, like regeneration, cellular division, uh, communication, information, blood flow, lymphatic flow, nutrition, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. 
Wonderful. Let's let everybody know that you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on uh, Better World Radio every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight or Standard Time, depending on the time of the year. We're also on A Better World Television in New York City, in Manhattan, every Monday at this point at 7 p.m., and I'd love for you to join us there as well. If you do not yet get our free newsletter, A Better World newsletter, please go to our website at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and uh, sign up. Become part of a Better World family and community. These are the kinds of shows we do that are very informative, inspiring, educational, and ultimately empowering for you and your own health and that of your family and your loved ones and your larger community, which, of course, includes ultimately us all. So become part of the activity that we engage and generate here. It's just a pleasure to have you. Today, we are spending the whole show with Dr. Stefan Stangasiu, who is a specialist in apotherapy. He is an MD originally from Romania and has traveled the world to some 45 different countries speaking about and teaching on the subject of bee therapy, this ancient, ancient practice that has helped people far and wide with any number of different types of conditions and, as Dr. Stefan was just saying, also simply helps to sustain and uplift the immune system and overall health and wellness in itself. So by no means does one need to have some kind of illness. It's way better if one does not and yet can utilize the wisdom on the great gift that nature has given us of bees and their various delicious, by the way, products. So, Stefan, again, it's just a pleasure to have you on today talking about this uh, very rich and, pardon the expression, sweet subject. (laughs) You're very, very informative here. Um, So thank you. Thank you, too. Absolutely. So let, let's uh, come back here. I want to just understand one thing before we move on to some of the results that you have seen over the course of decades by administering uh, bee therapy uh, from the venom to the royal jelly. Uh, and that is, if beekeepers, pardon my ignorance about this, I am not a beekeeper, although it's something I would love to do sometime. Uh, if beekeepers simply let the bees come and go as they naturally would, go out and, um, you know, play with the flowers and come back home and produce the honey and, uh, and feed the queen and on. In their own cycle, before humans get involved in that cycle, what do they eat for their own nutrition? Uh, you mean the bees? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, the bees, of course, they can use directly the nectar from the flowers yes. uh, to get the water because the nectar from the flowers has about uh, 80% water. But also it has uh, some uh, carbohydrates, glucose, fructose, and so on. And um, uh, this is the, their fuel, uh, if you want, because the carbohydrates are the best, best fuel for the bees uh, when they burn uh, the glucose and the fructose. 
the final substances are just uh, water and carbon dioxide. So there are practically no pollutants after burning this kind of fuel. This is an interesting comparison between the bees and the airplanes. Uh, the airplanes, uh, they get the energy, they can fly, but uh, uh, burning the fuel, they create also pollutants. Yeah. Okay, so the bees are better also from this point of view. And uh, the main source for them of uh, vitamins, enzymes, proteins, amino acids, and so on, it's the, uh, the bee pollen, which is the stem cell from the bee plants. It's the sexual male cell from the bee plants. It's practically a stem cell. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, the, these are the two main sources of food for, for the bees, but of course the bees must uh, protect themselves against many enemies, and their best protector is propolis. Propolis, you can also do the similarity like propolis protection. And um, uh, indeed, the propolis is so, so famous. Uh, if you, anybody will have the curiosity to, to search for the scientific data on propolis, uh, I advise them to just go to PubMed, uh, pubmed.com. It's the scientific um, medical uh, online electronic library. Uh, and uh, they'll find over 2,600 studies, scientific studies on propolis. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yes. So... Uh, thank you for also the cocktail that you recommended for us, for we humans. You know, royal jelly, of course, has been associated with longevity. And yes. Some very idealistic people also say immortality. But let's just stick with longevity. How would you describe the effect that uh, royal jelly has in creating longevity? It has to do, I imagine, with its regenerative properties. Yes, yes, it's, a, it's about the stimulation of the stem cells. Uh, one explanation, as I said before, uh, gradually stimulates the production of neural stem cells. Uh, so the neural stem cells are uh, regenerating the nervous system. Yes. And the, most of the scientists, they found out that the people who are living longer, they have a better nervous system. Uh, of course, they, they do not uh, have Alzheimer's, Parkinson, and oh, multiple sclerosis and all kinds of uh, neurological diseases mm -hmm. like this. But they have a very clear, very bright mind. And among the, the first two uh, professions in the world which are on the top of the longevity, the first place is uh, occupied by the music conductors. And the other is beekeepers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. And uh, I was extremely, extremely pleased uh, two years ago when um, uh, I received the results from a scientific study done in uh, Malaysia. Uh, I've been there to give some lectures to an university, and uh, I gave them the idea to study the telomeres. The, that part of the chromosomes which is related to longevity. And, uh, and they found out that the beekeepers indeed have longer telomeres than the rest of the population. Oh, my word. Yes, and uh, uh, I was uh, kind of expecting this kind of result, but what was uh, amazing me, uh, made me and made me extremely happy was that among that group of um, beekeepers who were studied for the telomeres, the ones who were eating more honey have had longer telomeres than their colleagues. <laughs> wow. Now, when you say honey, are you talking about in which form? 
Rohani. Rohani, of course, not Hititani, because right. um, uh, in Rohani we have the, the pollen, we have also traces of royal jelly. And yeah. uh, uh, if you look deeply to to see about these telomeres, you see that they are regenerated, can be regenerated by an enzyme called telomerase. And the telomerase, like all enzymes, are destroyed by the heat. Sure. Yes, okay. so, so all beehive products are like living beings, so we should never heat them uh, under any circumstance and just keep them at uh, room temperature or colder, uh, not uh, heat them. Excellent. Now, when you just eat honey, are you saying basically that, you know, let's even say a quality store-bought honey, like in a, a good health food store and a reliable source, and you, one were to eat, let's say, a, I'm just making this up, a tablespoon of honey a day. Just like they say, a, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, eating a tablespoon of honey may keep the, you know, the day, um, yes. angel of death away, you know. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's as simple as that. Um, yeah, okay, so it's uh, uh, the patients, the people are needing more than one ta uh, ta tablespoon or a teaspoon a day of honey. Okay. Uh, the best the best mathematical formula I found is one to two grams per kilogram body weight oh. per, per day. Okay. So this would be a good quantity of honey uh, that can uh, keep the, the body very, very healthy. Which means like uh, somebody having 60 kilograms body weight uh, or 120 pounds, we would need um, 60 grams of honey. Wow. So a day. And of course, this, this, um, this amount of honey must be spread all over the day in uh, smaller portions, sure. um, like in four or five smaller uh, doses. And then taken, but uh, there is practically in the beehive products there is no limit in quantity, and this is one of the beauties of AP therapy, that we do not have like in classical uh, medicine pharmacology, very strict, very severe uh, limitations in the doses, because each person is different and we can adapt, and sometimes you can eat even half a kilo of honey a, a day, and you, you'll be very very happy. Isn't that interesting? So it's just one of those things that you, it's really hard to overdose. Yes, yes. And there are many studies on this, on animals, uh, experiments to see what is the upper limit of uh, uh, the dose of the beehive products. And uh, indeed, it's, you need like, like one kilogram of propolis a day to get some, uh, some adverse reactions. But it's uh, impossible for somebody to eat one kilogram of propolis a day. So uh, it's uh, not the same thing, of course, for the bee venom. In bee venom, there are clear limitations. Uh, for the non-beekeepers, uh, uh, they should do, first of all, an allergy test, and then uh, uh, they can increase gradually under the uh, supervision, uh, uh, under the control of a, a specialist in apitherapy. I see. Okay. Well, this is very useful and interesting information. Stefan, what is uh, the venom primarily used for from a, a clinical point of view? In your practice, what do you use it for primarily beyond Bell's palsy? Yes. Um, the main, main indication of uh, bee venom is the stimulation of the local nervous system, of the local nerves. 
Uh, everybody knows that B-Venom activates the blood flow, immune system, it has antibacterial, antiviral properties and so on. But the most important, in my opinion, the most specific uh, property is that it awakens uh, the local uh, uh, nerves. And uh, when you use it, because there are many, many diseases given by the fact that the uh, local nerves or the nerves from a certain area of the body, they are just uh, like uh, lazy, if you want, yeah. in simple words. And uh, because the nerves, the duty of the nerves is to coordinate the blood flow in the areas where uh, they are uh, staying. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I have uh, my nerves which are uh, coordinating the functioning of my stomach, if these nerves are uh, somehow pinched or uh, they are not happy because I have a problem in my vertebral column mm-hmm. or I do not have enough oxygen or enough glucose and so on, vitamins, Bs, and so on and so on, yes. then uh, uh, if this uh, mechanical problem is in this area, then I'll have a stomach disease. But in fact, it's not the stomach is guilty, but the local nerves. And uh, there is nothing better as a stimulator for nerves than the bee venom. Uh, we all know, uh, almost everybody uh, of us has been stung uh, at least once in, uh, in uh, the lifetime by a bee. Yeah. And uh, the pain given by the bee when it stings, it's huge, huge. It's a burning kind of uh, feeling, yeah. uh, localized. Fortunately, it lasts only a couple of uh, minutes, yeah. uh, but um, in most of the cases. But it's very, very powerful stimulator for the nervous system. So, in a way, do I hear you saying that sort of like getting a fever as a child? I know we talked about that when I was studying Chinese herbs, or let's say uh, a childhood disease like um, like chickenpox has a way of strengthening the immune system, am I hearing that you're saying that an early bee sting, a bee sting early in life or even later, can have a similar kind of immune effect as well as stimulation of the nervous system as a whole? Um, yes, uh, so the, the idea is that the B-venom also stimulates the immune system. Why? Because uh, the B-venom is a cocktail of many toxic substances, and these substances must be neutralized by the body as soon as possible. At the beginning, for a person who has never used or received B-venom, uh, for this person, uh, the immune system is not prepared, so the solution for the body of this person is to just dilute the venom. And that is why uh, after a bee sting, it comes uh, the classical, the well-known uh, edema, the swellings. Yes. Sometimes they are very funny, very, <laughs> very big, uh, yes. but they, they go away in a couple of days. So the body can dilute the venom at the beginning, but if you do the bee stings regularly, like when you treat a patient with multiple sclerosis, uh, or a person is doing beekeeping, so it gets regularly bee stings, then step by step, the lymphocytes, those cells from the uh, immune system, will start to uh, to produce antibodies. And these antibodies can block most of the substances from bee venom, and uh, uh, step by step, uh, the people being stung by the bees, they do not get any more that swelling, that uh, known swelling, uh, including the redness after a bee sting. So this is the case for the beekeepers or the patients who are receiving the bee stings regularly. So, but the, the beauty here is that in order to block the venom, 
you need more lymphocytes, and these lymphocytes are producing not only antibodies against the venom, but also other antibodies to block, for example, viruses, bacteria, or uh, cancerous cells. So basically, we get a stimulation, as you just very, very well said before. With these things regularly, you get also very good stimulation of the immune system. But uh, in the case of the children, uh, bee venom is not a very good idea uh, in the form of uh, bee stings or even micro stings. Uh, if they are uh, younger than 12 years, uh, the bee venom is though a very strong stress for them. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, but you can use uh, when really is necessary when nothing else works. You can use uh, we can use bee venom in form of creams or like you said before, like in a homeopathical uh, preparation. Yeah. So very, very diluted. So in this situation, on some uh, acupuncture points, uh, uh, you can use it combined with all the other bee products. Interesting. So when in practice you have a patient that comes in and you decide that bee venom is the treatment of choice, how do you administer it? I mean, I'm sure you don't have a bee on hand and you can hold it and you know, put the put the stinger into the person. Or is it somehow extracted and then taken orally? What is the method? Okay, so uh, the very, very first thing uh, to do is uh, uh, the first consultation with the patient. You must explain him or her that he or she needs um, period of time of uh, at least four to six weeks to prepare the body to receive the bee venom. Oh, okay. Yes, because so as not, you know, the bee venom... for emergency medicine. <laughs> yes, the so bee venom can trigger sometimes bad allergic reactions, including anaphylactic shock. Uh, and so you need to prepare the body to adapt it for the future administration of bee venom. Yeah. So in the first four to six weeks, we are giving to the patients, we, generally we change the diet, we advise them to go uh, to a healthy diet based on whole foods usually, mm -hmm. rich in vitamins and so on and so on, yeah. and also to drink more water, liquids, herbal teas, adapted to their own uh, constitution and their own uh, functionality. Mm -hmm. And also we tell them to get a lot of rest, sleep very well, learn to meditate, and everything related to the recovery of the nervous system. And uh, we can already start, like after one week of this detoxification and uh, regeneration of the body, we can start with bee venom, but only in cream form, in a very soft uh, uh, way. And then after uh, these six weeks of preparation, we send the patients to an allergist, to make the allergy test, bee venom allergy test. And there are basically two kinds of allergy tests. One is a blood analysis, is immunoglobulin E specific to bee venom. Mm -hmm. And the other one is an allergy test made directly by the, the allergist on the skin. It's a so-called prick test. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, the, the allergist will inject into the skin very superficially a very, very small amount of venom. And uh, why it's necessary to, to do this kind of allergy test is, uh, by an allergist is because there are people extremely, extremely allergic to bee venom, and even a very, very thin amount of venom can trigger an anaphylactic shock. Yeah. Or, or uh, an allergist, uh, this is his profession, his duty, his day-to-day uh, uh, -day bread. <laughs> For yeah. them, an anaphylactic shock, it's uh, not a big deal. They know how to, to solve such a crisis very quickly. 
but anybody else which is not an allergist or in intensive care doctor working in an emergency room will not be able to do so so well uh, the fast fast treatment of anaphylactic shock yeah. so after this uh, test and the uh, and, uh, real anaphylactic shocks are coming fortunately very very rare it's like one in a million of cases but, uh, you know, our duty is to prevent any kind of adverse reactions, and uh, uh, it's better to prevent than to treat. It's more intelligent to prevent. Yeah. So after this phase is okay, after the patient clears this phase, then we can start with the bee stings, with the bee venom, in form of micro stings. And this is a special uh, Asian technique uh, where you, uh, you put the bee and the bee stings very superficially, for less than one second, very, very short uh, period of time. So it's basically less painful uh, than a mosquito bite. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, uh, or uh, the other option is if the therapist, the apitherapist is a medical doctor specialized in apitherapy, he or she can uh, make injections of diluted bee venom. So there are solutions of bee venom which you can uh, find and then you can dilute them as much as you want as a practitioner. And then you can uh, do uh, this uh, like also like a micro sting. And uh, there are special points which are good against the allergies, acupuncture points, mm -hmm. on the lower back. Uh, just for the specialties, uh, the best points are bladder 23 and bladder 52, Jishi mm -hmm. uh, points, uh, because they are in the same time anti-allergy points. They are acting on the adrenal glands. So yeah. Uh, even if it's a small dose, it helps the adrenal glands to produce cortisol and adrenaline, which uh, in their turn, uh, they are anti-allergic. Yes. So well, let me, I just want, so I understand. The micro stings are actually administered with a, with a bee itself. Yes. How do you get a bee to cooperate to <laughs> do a few seri a series of micro stings? Yes, uh, there are many, many possible techniques here. Uh, f first of all, um, uh, one very old method invented in Russia is to put on the skin before a kind of a grid, a kind of a mesh, uh, like, or like a filter if you want, mm -hmm. a very, very fine filter. So like, like the ones uh, one used by the car makers to, to make the uh, gasoline filter, mm -hmm. the fuel filter. So um, uh, it's very, very fine. And then uh, the stinger of the bee cannot penetrate uh, all the way into the skin oh. because of this the filter. But only the very tip of the sting, uh, stinger will be able to penetrate through this mesh or through this grid. Oh, okay, so, so you get um, like a micro sting because of, uh, the stinger cannot penetrate deeper in the skin. Yeah. And you have the control on the bees and on the, this special mesh, so you can uh, re, um, elevate afterwards after the patient says, okay, I've got it. So you, you, you release, you, you take out uh, this uh, uh, grid or mesh. Uh, but there are other options too. It's um, uh, with special tweezers. You can keep the stinger of the bee with a tweezer. And with the hands, you can keep the bee from the wings or with another tweezer, larger tweezer, tweezer you keep the, the bee from the thorax. And then um, uh, you can uh, insert the, the, the stinger in the skin or you allow the bee to insert the stinger in the skin. And immediately after that, with uh, this very, very fine tweezer, you block the, the stinger to penetrate deeper in the skin. And then you get it out. 
And there are other options too. I, uh, one doctor in Ecuador is using um, uh, those cosmetic pads, the, the white ones, uh, uh, the round uh, ones from cotton. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you sting with, uh, through these uh, cotton pads, also the, the bars of the stinger are not blocked in the skin, so you can, get, um, you can uh, create, you can make a, a micro sting. So interesting, so interesting. And so again, it, it, your, the primary value of the bee venom is to stimulate local nerves. Yes. And so that's why it was used for Bell's palsy in the face with President Brezhnev. Yes, yes. And uh, stimulating the local nerves, you improve the local blood flow. You stimulate also the local immune system, the macrophages and the neutrophils, all those cells which must protect that part of the body against the bacteria and so on and so on. Sure. But there is another very interesting phenomenon. It's a theory, a hypothesis um, I, um, I launched some years ago, uh, and I'm sure it is right also. Uh, is, uh, it is known that each bee sting destroys uh, locally in the skin about 300 cells. And uh, the scientist knows already that whenever we have a wound in our body, uh, certain tissue of our body is affected, um, uh, some cells are destroyed, then in that area uh, are coming the local stem cells mm -hmm. to regenerate the area. So um, the fact that the beekeepers are receiving regularly bee stings all their lifetime, professional lifetime, of course, uh, in, in fact, it stimulates also not only immune system and nervous system and uh, um, uh, local macrophages and so on, but also it stimulates the production of local stem cells. Oh. And this, in fact, it's uh, kind of a rejuvenating factor. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in the last years, uh, maybe you noticed also in the cosmetic industry, there are more and more uh, cosmetic companies which are using bee venom in their uh, cosmetic masks oh. to rejuvenate the skin of the face. So interesting. So uh, if you keep following this out, would it then be, you mentioned MS um, as one. I imagine that would also include other, let's say, uh, paralytic types of conditions as well, or other even neural, neurological Parkinson's, for instance. Yes, yes. In these situations, when it's more complex, uh, the, and the, generally speaking, the neurological conditions are uh, pretty complex uh, diseases, you need uh, not only bee venom, but you need also all the other bee products because you need to regenerate. And um, yes. if you want bee venom here, it's like um, like a stimulator. It it hits. It it is kind of. Uh, um, like, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, but the, the, the guys which are uh, riding the horses, the, the uh, race horses, they are hitting the horses with uh, that kind of tool? Oh, with a whip, with a little whip. Yeah. Yes, right, like yeah. uh, with that whip, okay. So, uh, uh, b is like a whip uh, stimulating the, the body. Yes. But um, if the body is weakened by many conditions, other conditions, uh, you'll just uh, destroy the body. Uh, it's the same thing uh, being for those uh, jockeys uh, that ride the horses. If they are uh, whipping the horses too strong and too soon uh, before they finish the race. So... Um, 
Yes, so the idea is that for the nervous system, we need uh, royal jelly, we need bee pollen, we need honey, we need a lot of rest, uh, acupuncture points, and uh, to find always the causes of the causes. Yes, yes. So interesting. So when it comes to the array of bee therapy, what do you ultimately say is its uh, its best use for is it mainly neural types of conditions uh, running the whole gamut? Or, like, how about other degenerative diseases? I You mentioned cancer earlier. Have you seen any results from the use of bee therapy for cancer? And if yes, so, for all of them or just specific ones? Uh, yes, um, uh, not all of them, of course. Um, uh, with the cancer, if you also search in Internet, PubMed, uh, scientific databases, you'll find uh, hundreds of articles of the effect of bee products against cancer. And uh, But uh, most of these studies are done on uh, laboratory conditions, on animals, uh, uh, in experiments, mm-hmm. on cells, uh, cancerous cells, and so on. Mm-hmm. The problem with the human beings uh, is that the human beings are making a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you can give them uh, bee venom, propolis, and all the good bee products, but they continue to smoke or to oh, yeah. eat from uh, McDonald's yeah, or, you know, too much right. sugar, uh-huh. and so on and so on. So... Uh, if uh, the patients are not disciplined and they are not uh, respecting fully the diet conditions, the lifestyle conditions, uh, you cannot get uh, good results. I understand. But if uh, human beings were to be as um, careful as rats and mice, then they may see better results. Yes. <laughs> So, I, I mean, not in closing, but does that mean, are you really suggesting that we be a little bit more like rats and mice? <laughs> more disciplined, more disciplined, this I, I suggest, and uh, be more, um, you know, humble, uh, not only in the normal life, but also in what you are eating, and um, be very, very severe when um, uh, you choose your food. And, um, yeah, respecting these rules, uh, then you can get very good results. And uh, coming to specifics, um, uh, the cases of cancer um, which uh, are located mainly at the surface of the body, like on the skin, mm-hmm. in the mouth, um, genital system, or stomach, uh, so uh, cases with uh, tumors which are very easily accessible by the bee products, uh, they get usually better results than the cases um, uh, the people having cancers very deep in the bodies, like in the um, in the bones. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So things that are closer to the to the surface. And yes, because because you can come with a lot of active ingredients, active substances, and you can destroy easier the the tumor cells. Okay. And so from that point of view, I'm gathering that it wouldn't only be ingesting the honey products and the bee products, but also to- using them topically. Yes, exactly. And in this situation, you can use also bee venom uh, in most of them, locally, topically. Yeah. And um, um, but, but, you know, the, the focus we have in AP therapy, in the treatment of cancer, is not so much on the uh, anti-tumoral effect. Uh, because the only anti-tumoral effect is not uh, enough. Um, the most important and the most clever thing is to stimulate the immune system. Yes. 
because even if you destroy a tumor which is located uh, in a certain part of the body, but you do not take care of the rest of the body, then in any other part of the body, other kind of tumors can appear. So um, uh, it's, uh, the epitherapy, from this point of view, it's also a holistic uh, kind of uh, method of treatment. And uh, it, should not, it should not be used uh, only uh, specifically, only locally, uh, only for a certain uh, condition. You must always think globally. Yes, exactly. Very well put. In fact, talking globally and holistically, it's one thing to look at the relationship of a human being to a bee and to honey, propolis, royal jelly, and venom. And it's another thing to look at how we treat bees as part of our ecosystem, as part of our natural biological ecosystemic order. So from that point of view, the bees so sadly have been suffering as groups in their colonies from what's been referred to as um, bee colony collapse. And the uh, search goes on for what the causes are from, you know, some have said it has to do with the frequency emitted from cell phones and, and uh, radar towers, and others say that uh, satellites, and others say that it has to do with pesticides, insecticides, and herbicides that are spread from planes, for crying out loud, across fields, millions, thousands, and millions of acres of crops. And these are what have been bringing down the colonies. What are your thoughts, and what do you suggest are the remedies? Yes. Um, uh, first of all, uh, what, what is happening is that the bees are uh, attacked, are aggressed by all these factors simultaneously in most of the cases. Yes. So even if each factor taken, uh, uh, taken separately may be not so intense or so, so dangerous, but the sum of all of this, uh, yes. this is a big problem. Okay, uh, now, uh, solutions to this. Uh, of course, uh, one solution is to shout against uh, Monsanto, against uh, mm -hmm. all these uh, pesticides producers. And, uh, but uh, I remember my, one of my yoga teachers in Romania saying that uh, instead of uh, shouting against the darkness, <laughs> it's better to, to, to give light to a candle. Yes. So uh, my suggestion to all uh, people listening to us uh, now is to just plant as many as possible bee plants in their garden, in their area uh, where they live uh, or, or the, the periphery of their cities. And the uh, ideal is to plant those bee plants which are in the same time medicinal bee plants. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, with this uh, kind of uh, idea, they will get not only the beehive products, but they will get also foods like fruits, vegetables, but also substances good for the health. And um, yeah, just just a short uh, comment on the um, agriculture industry. It, it's uh, so so stupid. Yeah. I repeat, it's so stupid. 
to poison the soil and to poison the human beings, to poison yourself, because all these farmers which are putting these pesticides, uh, sooner or later they'll get also cancers and all kinds of diseases. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's really stupid to do this, and the government, which is not uh, uh, taking measures against this kind of policies, yeah. uh, it's just acting criminally against all of us. Agreed. Agreed, absolutely. It's good to shout a little bit, but put your primary focus on the feeding and the nurturing and the nourishing of bees through flower planting. I agree with you completely. What are some specific flowers and plants that would be best to nourish our bee population? Yes, uh, I have a list of uh, over 120 such plants um, in uh, my website in apitherapy.com. Uh, so they can find there all the medicinal plants which are uh, having multiple functions. Mm-hmm. But also they, they just can search in Internet uh, the people on uh, from, for the Latin name of the plants. Mm-hmm. And they should uh, go for two types of uh, plants. First of all, bee plants. And then they list them uh, from the like in alphabetical order in Latin, and then uh, search for the uh, so bee plants and then medicinal plants, and all plants which are having both uh, characteristics. They are uh, both bee plants and medicinal plants. Of course, there are uh, these plants are having multiple functions, multiple uses, so they should be preferred uh, to be planted um, in uh, the nearby uh, regions. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I so appreciate everything. I want to just ask you two more things. One is uh, what are the results? I mean, I know that you've been administering bee venom and the other uh, bee products for all of these years, Stefan, and you've been obviously getting very good results. Could you just say a little bit about what those results have been and with what kinds of conditions? Okay, so um, uh, starting from um, the stomach area, so all kinds of ulcers, gastric ulcers, duodenal ulcers, Crohn disease also, large intestine uh, diseases. Crohn disease, okay. Yes, Crohn disease also, it's a very difficult to treat the disease, but in AP therapy we, we can get very good results. Uh, then uh, all kind of wounds, like I said before, uh, chronic wounds, infected wounds, uh, yeah. those wounds which cannot be treated by classical medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can uh, not uh, not only uh, myself, but many many other doctors from all over the world. They got excellent results in the treatment of wounds, wounds uh, after infections, traumatism, diabetes, uh, atherosclerosis, but also after burns. Okay, then we get to. In respect to diabetes, have you been able to avert, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, removal of the uh, limb, I'm forgetting the word. Uh, 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 Amputation. Yes, amputation. Yes, yes, we can prevent this in most of the cases. Yes, 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 and and if really the amputation is really necessary, it will be uh, limited to a very small uh, part of the body, just only the toes if it's really necessary. But, um, uh, of course, the idea here is also to prevent the diseases, not to treat them. Uh, Okay, so uh, to continue the list of diseases, respiratory diseases like asthma, bronchitis, sinusitis, uh, all these uh, otorhinolaryngological diseases, mm-hmm. uh, nose, uh, throat, ears, uh, are responding very well to AP therapy. Mm-hmm. 
Then uh, when which, right, oh, okay, so all we would have to think about is lung, large intestine, and propolis would be the uh, corresponding. Yeah. Okay. Right, correct. Honey and propolis are the best products for the large intestine. Mm-hmm. And also as a helper, bee pollen and bee bread, which are rich in lactobacillus uh, species. And uh, this uh, lactobacillus, as you know, they are the beneficial bacteria, so they can um, uh, repopulate the uh, intestinal flora and can help us a lot in the balance in the flora in the intestines. Okay. Yeah. Then we get uh, skin diseases. Uh, in the skin diseases like eczema, psoriasis, acne, also uh, we get uh, usually very good results. Then in the genital system, uh, very, very interesting indication. And is that uh, topical again? Yeah. Is that going to be topical, literally putting the, um, putting the honey or bee product directly onto the skin? Yes, yes, and uh, always uh, you need to give the bee products also internally, um, so not only topically. So this is one of the golden rules in AP therapy, is to use, uh, uh, to use the beehive products through all anatomical ways. Yeah. Like you need to administer them through the mouth, through the lungs, through the skin, right. through the uh, suppositories, uh, through the acupuncture points. So ideally is to uh, just like um, imbibate or uh, yeah. penetrate the body from all directions yeah. with the bee products. So then, then the results are, are coming much faster. Yeah. This is Every the idea. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, this is... Excellent. This is such good information, Dr. Stefan. I so appreciate your sharing. In closing, I've kept you longer than I thought I would, but I so appreciate your wealth of knowledge here. In closing, what would you like to leave with our audience, your, your last words? Yes, uh, thank you for giving me this uh, opportunity to speak. Um, uh, what I would uh, uh, tell to our audience is to join um, the beekeeping uh, clubs in their own regions as a first step to learn more about the bees, to act by protecting them, and then to join the epitherapy associations from the area. And uh, as you are in New York, um, the, of course, the, the best association is American uh, Epitherapy Association, uh, AAS, epitherapy.org. And also the ones, uh, our people who are listening to us from Canada, they can join the Canadian Epitherapy Association. Yes, and uh, I am also offering uh, here in Toronto, thanks to my my friends uh, Oliver Couto and Adrian Thibault from Bishop here in Toronto, we are offering uh, several classes and lectures on epitherapy, so we welcome all people interested to get a better life through the bees. Absolutely, I love it, I love it. And your website again? Uh, so it's uh, www.canadian-aptherapy-association.ca. So this is for Canada. For United States, it's uh, aptherapy.org. And uh, my own uh, uh, website, yes. uh, if you want to, it's aptherapy.com. Okay, wonderful. Merci pour tout, monsieur. This Merci à vous, monsieur. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your awesome knowledge and sharing and good heart to bring this for our audience. So uh, thank you again, and we'll hopefully talk again soon. Yes, thank you very much, Mitchell. Thank you. You're so welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. So (laughs) that was uh, Dr. Stefan Stangasil. I know I'm not 
giving it a proper Romanian accent there, but my apologies. But I also do want to thank uh, my dear brothers from the ideal community uh, out in Jaffrey, British Columbia, uh, Adrian and Jan, who introduced me to Dr. Stefan and suggested that he be a guest on A Better World, and I'm very glad they did and that I have brought him on to talk with you all about be therapy, this ancient practice which has been revived thanks to uh, Mr. Brezhnev getting Bell's palsy and the wise Russian doctors and scientists who came to his rescue. I tell you, I love the Russians. I was very close to a particular scientist there some years, God Almighty, 16, 17 years ago, who I met with in Moscow and uh, actually St. Petersburg at a conference on a uh, particular type of uh, energy uh, technology that he had, which was a continuation of the uh, auric photography Curlian photography that became very popular. God, I think it was back in the 1940s, really. But um, Dr. Korotkov, who I have had on A Better World TV, invited me to a congress, they called it, in St. Petersburg back then. And he made a very interesting comment. He said, we scientists and professors in Russia are paid nothing. But what we do have as a result of being paid so little is we have eminent freedom to explore and experiment as any scientist would like to do. Isn't that an interesting comment? So they were doing some very far-reaching kinds of studies, experiments, and research in areas that Western, I mean, American scientists don't just rarely touch unless they work for something like the Institute for Noetic Sciences, IONS, and of course we've had the leading scientists from there on here as well as people like Dr. Emoto. So uh, these men who are of other cultures have been able to do all the experimentation they want, uh, whereas in the United States, so-called the land of the free are utterly, completely limited by the corporate dollars that are paying for the research. And not only is it limited, but they're also told what types of results they quote-unquote should be coming up with. It's very curious about where freedom is found and where it's not and under what circumstances and conditions. But that's a whole other conversation. Today, I just want to thank Dr. Stefan again for enlightening us about uh, the uh, myriad use of bee products for our own health, therapy, and well-being. It's pretty obvious that they have a powerful immune function, immune-enhancing function, and for the awakening of the nervous system in different local areas, and overall longevity. I mean, what he was saying about the telomeres and their length um, and the, uh, the ingestion of different bee products that contributes to that. Well, you want to lead a long life? Well, you want to be like a queen bee? I know many. Uh, 
take your bee products and take care of the bees. It's so sad when you learn about so much of the reality of what's going on. I mean, some say that we have lost literally 40% of our bee population, you know, over the last 20 or so years. It's just scary what has happened. It has gotten so bad in China that I saw a documentary uh, that was showing humans wearing a certain kind of uniform mocking, I should say, really say, mimicking, as in the true sense of biomimicry, mimicking bee activity. They could not perform a fraction in a week that a bee did in an hour. That is, the ratio is something like that. It is not humanly possible. I believe in a world of limitlessness, but there are certain limits, and this is one of them. Human beings cannot do what bees do. So it's way better to take really good care of them and let them do their role in our beautiful Mother Nature's orchestration of who does what in our larger ecosystem. So with that said, I want to just thank you all for tuning in today. I know there are many places you can go to listen and hear very good material. And I want to just thank you in particular for coming and joining us today. Do please remember that a better world is part of the Better World Foundation. And we live on, well, not bee products exactly only, but also on donations. So contributions, you could say investments in creating a better world and helping us sustain and thrive. So at our website, www.abetterworld.tv, you uh, will find a donation button if that is possible for you. It's tax deductible, and we so appreciate your support on all levels. So take this show and take the link and forward it to your friends and family and doctors especially so everyone will be educated about what Dr. Stefan was bringing forward here. So again, thank you so much. I so appreciate your rapt attention to important subject, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.